definition of theory is as follows. A plausible or scientifically acceptable general principle or body of principles offered to explain phenomena. What's up, theorists? It's me, back again, your host, Can Goods. Today, we're going to be talking about hermeticism, which is a pretty foreign concept to me, but the, dig the deeper I dig into it, the more crazy and revelatory I find it to be. It's such a wide topic that even after this episode, I'm going to continue to study this because of its teachings and the principles behind it and just how prominent and adaptive it is to your own life and what you can do with these teachings. So Hermeticism is a principle, it's a philosophy that's based on the teachings of Hermes Trismegistus. Trismegistus means the thrice great because he is a master of all three levels of existence, the physical, the mental, and the spiritual. He was a prominent figure in the Hellenistic period. He was said to be a figure in ancient Egypt. So Hermes is taken from the Greek god, and then you have Trismegistus, which is from Thoth of Egyptian mythology. Hermes authored Hermetica, which is a widely diverse series of ancient and medieval pseudopigraphical texts. These texts lay the basis for the philosophical system of Hermeticism. The teachings contained in Hermetica were produced over a period of centuries, from 300 BCE to 1200 CE. Now, I know that all just sounds like a bunch of mumbled garbage, but I'm going to dig a little bit deeper for you guys. We're going to break it down. I'm no expert, but let's get into it. While Hermeticism dates back to the first century, it came to prominence around the third century in a period known as the Late Antiquity. This has also been known as the end of classical civilization and the early onset of the Middle Ages. It was a time period known for rapid changes and transformation, and Hermeticism is really in tune with all that. This philosophical system emerged as a parallel to early Christianity, Gnosticism, Neoplatonism, and Pythagorean literature, and is also very prominent and flourished in Ptolemaic Egypt. The texts of Hermeticism dwell on the oneness and the goodness of God and urges the purification of the soul and to expand on the relationship between mind and spirit. Hermeticism boils down to kind of a blend of ancient Egyptian religions, philosophy, science, magic, and add ties to Greek paganism, Alexandrian Judaism, and Sumerian religions. There are seven principles of Hermeticism, and they were taught from word of mouth, from teacher to student, until eventually in the 20th century, they were compiled into a book known as the Kabbalion. This text remained the occult source of wisdom, separate from any religion, but powerful nonetheless. The principles are not constricting, and they can be studied alongside other philosophies. The first principle is mentalism, and to quote the Kabbalion, the all is mind, the universe, and mental. So this is basically manifestation 101. If you can will it with your mind, it will appear. I'm not saying you can just conjure up things. It's kind of like a put good vibes out and good things will happen. You use your thoughts to shape your reality. For anything to be, a thought must precede it. So the universe itself is related to our mental projection and we can create the reality which we would like. If you know how people say to manifest your dreams, 
this is the core of that. What you will, will eventually happen as long as you keep striving for it mentally. And that's mentalism. Now we have our second principle, which is correspondence. As above, so below. As below, so above. Now we've all heard this quote or something similar at one point in our lives, but how does this apply to the world around us? So correspondence really refers to the three planes of the physical, mental, and spiritual. And it's saying that those are different levels, but if an action occurs on the mental plane, it will affect the physical plane and the spiritual plane, and vice versa. If you were to do something on the physical plane, it could manifest itself into the mental or spiritual, and something on the spiritual plane would manifest into the physical and the mental. So as above, so below just means that everything is related in causality, so to say. So essentially, our behavior and how it reacts to the world and how we are able to channel through these different planes and break it down so that the world around us is recognizable and understood so we can become a greater good. Principle number three is vibration. So essentially it's saying that everything vibrates. There is no stop in anything. At any one given time, any single thing in existence has some form of resonance and vibration to it. That could be a rock, a person, a tree. It always has some kind of energy and vibration that's putting off. So Really, one thing that's key about vibration I think is interesting is that it's supposedly related to your mental state. So every mental state you're in, you can control through vibration. Like, I have anxiety, so if I focus and meditate, I can flip it on its end and go back to being normal, you know, balanced. And then if somebody was to say experiencing fear... They can use vibrations and will themselves out of that state. The term vibes, I'm not particularly fond of. I do believe in it partially, but this is exactly what it's referring to. Like if you were to enter a room and you just feel bad vibes around you, that's kind of the vibrations because these vibrations interact and they, they respond to each other. And you can pick that up and sense it if you are focused. We all have our own vibration. And once we master that, that is the key to creating balance in life. The fourth principle is polarity. So now we're talking about black and white in the yin and yang context. Everything has an exact opposite, but in a way they are still the same. They are just the exact opposite, such as bravery and cowardice. They are one and the same, but they're completely separate in their polarity. Duality, if you will. Seemingly things are complete opposites, like hot and cold. There is no medium between them. When does something become hot? When does something become cold? It's entirely separate existence, but yet one and the same. Polarity can be affected by the mental plane. It takes a lot of mental stamina, but if you're able to, you can really focus on, say, something I don't like. If I don't have a taste for olives, 
I can will myself to like them. It just takes time, dedication, and practice. And that's kind of it. That's a simple breakdown of it, but this works on much higher levels too. Like if you need to change your mental state because you're in a state of panic, if you meditate and focus through these teachings, you are able to do so and bring yourself back up out of that panic. The fifth principle is rhythm. Everything moves back and forth like a pendulum. It goes side to side, up and down, and always come back. This is the middle ground between polarity. This is the movement itself of the energy from one pole to the opposite in its motion state. I find that this is more about our thoughts and how we can tune those thoughts kind of to bring that rhythm in the way that you need it to, to balance your aura and your being. Everything is manifested as a measured motion, to and from, backwards and forwards, outflow and inflow, up and down. Essentially, gravity and the forces that hold everything together. The sixth principle is causation. This means that everything is caused by a proper law. If something is by chance, it's just an unrecognized law. There is no chance. There is no luck. Everything is causation. If you cause something on the mental plane, then it can affect the physical and so forth. The point here is to not be the effect, to be the cause of your life. You don't want to be the effect of say, oh, I ran out of gas on my way to work today. You could have caused the solution yourself. And that's just one very simple example off the top of my head. But mostly it's about your interactions with those around you and how you view the world. You are taking charge through causation. And your actions will control your life directly through the effect of these actions. You don't want to be the effector. You want to be the causation. When we take the advantage of causation and apply it to our lives, you stray from becoming the victim. You are now empowered and you don't have to be pressured by other people's actions because you are the one who's empowered and taking these actions. The seventh and final principle is gender. And we're talking about male, female, masculine, and feminine energies here. So the ideal balance is to recognize not only my masculine side, but also my feminine side and bring them into harmony. And that way you can live the true life and the pretty much a balanced path. You don't have to say, do girly things, but recognize your feelings. It's kind of the opposite of stoicism. It's the unity of these two energies that are essential for creation. Balance is key. And how we manage to find that balance is how we bring ourselves together and bring your soul into true harmony. In Buddhism, they term this as the middle way, heaven and earth, male and female, mind, body, and spirit. I feel like all these principles and the concept of these principles are achievable. And it's kind of the basis of how we act and define ourselves and our spirit in the world around us. It's all about how you achieve some sort of oneness and then better yourself in the world. 
Mastering these hermetic principles will allow you to live a miraculous life, as miracles are not against the laws of nature, nor are they beyond the laws of nature. Now, much of the hermetic literature was destroyed or lost to time, but in the Renaissance, we had quite a bit resurface. This could be in part uh, due to the Christian rulers at the time, because they were trying to eradicate Hermeticism from pretty much 312 AD until well into the 6th century. They were erasing everything, burning all texts from it because they associate Hermeticism with paganism. So a lot of people were put to death, and the Hermeticism and anyone who followed its teachings rigorously pretty much went underground and they formed secret societies. Some believe that this has ties to the Freemasons. Uh, definitely the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, it's literally in the name of it. They're very spiritual and like one-on-one -on -one teacher-student kind of word-of-mouth teaching where actual magic can affect your life. And these principles are essential in that. What we're not taught in our history, science, and mathematics classes in school is that many notable figures were into Hermeticism. So we have Pythagoras, the inventor of the Pythagorean theorem. He used hermetics to come upon his discoveries in the alchemical sciences. Then we have Plato and Aristotle who were influenced by hermeticism. Aristotle went on to teach Alexander the Great of hermeticism and alchemy and they founded Alexandria, which was a great city and was a hub for hermeticism. The scientific revolution back during these Renaissance periods would have been completely different without hermeticism to guide it. Who knows, things could be a lot different, kind of like a butterfly effect thing. If there wasn't these studies and these principles being involved, our understanding of physics and mathematics might have been altered. We see this in the works of fellows such as Nicholas Copernicus, who founded the heliocentric system. And we have Isaac Newton, who pretty much dubbed gravity what it is. I mean, he's the father of modern physics. And then we have Francis Bacon, the father of empiricism. We also see this affecting Islamic philosophers, such as Al-Kindi and Avicenna. Until the mid-17th century, natural philosophy essentially describes nature as an organic, dynamic, living, and interconnected organism. However, this also means that there is no clear distinction between alchemy and science, astrology and astronomy, magic and science, there was no separation. They were all one the same because they thought that it was directly applied. The scientific revolution is what brought the split between these two and it kind of moved away and created a mechanistic sort of form of view on nature. This moved people from middle ground to more rational and logic seeking and away from religious and spiritual. While in science, you would separate the internal inflections that you're having on a phenomena and you want to examine it closely and with logic and precision. And hermeticism, it's essentially saying that that is the entire encompassing thing. You need those personal revelations and kind of your opinions on things, so to say. It's not just fact of the matter. Hermeticism is saying that 
these sciences are happening for a reason caused by the three planes of existence. All that is being observed is intrinsically linked. Remember, as above, so below. So below, as above. So let's go back to when I was talking about how the texts were systematically destroyed by the Christians. Most of them completely vanished or were scattered to all ends of the earth, and people have recently started rediscovering them. The only surviving texts were located in monasteries in Syria and other Middle Eastern nations. During the Renaissance, there seemed to be a peak of interest in these sacred texts and antiquities of the sort under the Council of Florence. So the Corpus Hermetica was commissioned to be found. This had teachings and writings of Hermes Trismegistus, Plato, and just vast amounts of wisdom and knowledge from past authors in ancient times all written on it. When found, they went through the painstaking efforts of translating it as soon as possible. This was their number one priority at the time because it had, you know, the works of Plato, who lived a thousand years before, and they wanted their wisdom. And on the text, they found it to be very nature-oriented and celebratory in nature. It was magical, expansive, and psychedelic. Not to say that they were using psychedelics, but who knows? Alchemy and talismanic magic and sympathetic magic flourished under the teachings of the Corpus Hermetica when it was found, and all the teachings and wisdom of Hermeticism and Hermes Trismegistus. It was kind of a prelude to modern-day sciences and modern medicines, too. If you look at the medical cross, it's actually the same symbol for Hermeticism. Well, very close, at least. The symbol is actually the staff that was rumored to have been carried by Hermes, and that's why it's used to symbol Hermes Trismegistus, and that's how somehow it was adopted and became the symbol for modern-day medicine. Now we know it as the Rod of Asclepius. So I know I was kind of jumping around a bit at the end there, but Hermeticism is a lot to cover. And like I said earlier, I think I'm going to keep researching and maybe even do a couple further episodes on this because there's just so much and I didn't want to bore you to death in one episode. It's so much to delve into. There's so much literature behind it, so much philosophical implications I didn't even touch the Emerald Tablet and a lot of the other notable works like the Corpus Hermetica. We got the very basic principles of the Kabbalion. I really just want to find these books and texts and give them a read myself so I can really, really know what I'm talking about because I'm barely scratching the surface. I just did some research and I covered maybe a a fraction of everything that there is to Hermeticism. This is an ancient tradition and philosophy. So it's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of research, but it's really cool. I'm really, really intrigued by it. And I'm thinking about studying it and maybe trying to incorporate some of these things in my life. Maybe find somebody who knows more about it, who can mentor me a bit. Because a lot of it's like really based on word of mouth and actual passing of teaching. It's not so much just reading, it's an introductory text. So it's said to come to you when you're ready for it and you can adapt and use those things in your life. There's just so much to it and it's so fascinating and I'm 
I don't know. It, it's super intriguing. And I'm going to get into this heavily. Like even when I'm researching further episodes, I'll probably be doing this in my downtime just because it's so much and it's so cool. I just love it. It's super cool. And it's kind of influenced me a lot just in this past week that I've really discovered I'd heard of it before. But this is my first time actually reading about it, learning the principles and getting into it. So I'm going to wrap it up there, guys, bring us to our condensed segment. Hermeticism, it's in philosophy founded by Hermes Trismegistus, an ancient Egyptian who was named after the Greek god Thoth and the Egyptian god Hermes. Oh, no, sorry, I got those backwards. The Egyptian god Thoth and the Greek god Hermes. He wrote down these texts. They're a scientific and philosophical way to live your life. They were hidden, they were buried, people were executed for their beliefs during the Roman Empire. It was just a bad time, and everything was hidden, and it recently kind of reemerged. I think the world is ready now, is essentially there's more freedom of thinking. We're allowed to research these things. We don't have to adhere to one religion or philosophy you can research and read and kind of shape your own views from it even if you don't understand it all you can still get aspects of it and hermeticism it's really cool the principles kind of make sense they're a little confusing even for myself i had a hard time just explaining them to you guys uh i'm definitely gonna dig deeper and i had a good time with this one so You know, I love you guys. Thanks for sticking with me. I love all the support that you guys do for me. Please like, please subscribe. Trying to build it up, get things going. I see it growing. You know, I just, this is a labor of love, like I always say. So I'm just going to keep at it because I enjoy it. It's not about anything else. I like this and I like to educate people. So thank you guys once again. Check us out on all the media platforms. I'm going to have links in the description. This is your host, Can Goods, signing off.